TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. America! The Nightcap. Hey, man! USA, baby! Woo! That's what America's all about, D! Right here, this is the USA! Oh, relax? Oh, I'm gonna sit through Oh, you gonna throw with me? Little actor boy, you wanna go to the Patriots? Get your bed. Get your bed and go. Okay? Because I'll throw down. I'll throw down any day of the week. Get your little man and drive out of my face, okay? Before I go to America, all over here! Nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. But that's not yet. I am talking about freedom, about choice. America. I don't think you need to worry, because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend, is your victory. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. On WGR Sports Radio 550. It's more of an open for the 40th anniversary of the... uh... Miracle on ice, but we're a couple days late on that, so eh, it still counts. Whatever. Welcome into the nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. More of a football, more of a football type of show, I would say here today. Got a lot of combine comments from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott down from the combine. We'll be sure to get you some of that from uh, from both the guys. Um, in the next couple of hours here till nine o'clock, some games maybe to keep a track of, keep track of in the NHL that relate to the, uh, to the Sabres and their playoff race. I guess we're out of town scoreboard watching. We're doing it. And you got the lightning and the Leafs tonight. It's a good, that's a good game. And in general, um, could be a first round playoff matchup and it does have implications right now as after tonight, Toronto will have two games in hand. Or the I'm sorry, the Sabres will have two games in hand on the Leafs. So, six points back with two games in hand sounds a lot more attractive to me than six points out or eight points out um, with two games in hand. So, if that number can stay at six, Tampa beats Toronto tonight, this is where we're at. You need the Leafs to collapse or you're not making it. You need them to collapse. And maybe they will. Maybe they will, but they have a lot of talent, so we'll, uh, we'll, I'm not betting on that happening. But we'll, we'll be watching that for you. That game's just getting going. So uh, if you're not in a position to be watching it, I will uh, keep you updated on the score throughout the night. And uh, Florida, by the way, if you wanted to, Florida's four points ahead of the Sabres. They're also in this race for the Atlantic Division. They're at the Coyotes, but not until uh, 9 o'clock. Anyways, the Bills. 
combine today. I thought Brandon Bean had a lot of interesting things to say. And I'm more thinking today than ever that they're not going to go wide receiver in the first round. And I don't know how to feel about that because philosophically, my way of thinking is you show up and you're building a team from the ground up, how are you doing it? Or how should you do it? I don't care that you play in Buffalo. I don't care that the, the it's cold in the, in the winter and there's wind and it's hard to throw it in the wind and it's, as opposed to playing in a dome or whatever. I, I don't care about it. The best team in franchise history was an air raid offense. Was a was a bef- they were running the the no huddle offense like they were before their time in the '90s and we've they've never even come close to that since. That's that's what I want to do. I want to build up an offense that throws the football in the same respect or at least a light version of what the Chiefs did to just win the Super Bowl. Their defense wasn't great. They got some good play from their defense. They were good, but the offense is what churned that engine. And the Bills, with Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, they showed up and they built up the defense. They tore everything down and what they built up first. They, sound, they put their assets on the defensive side of the football. Big free agent money to Micah Hyde. Big free agent money to Star Latoule. They add Jordan Poyer. They use their first-round pick on uh, Tredavious White. They use another first-round pick on Tremaine Edmonds. They use another first-round pick on Ed Oliver. A lot of draft capital, a lot of free agent money used to build up the defensive side of the football. And to their credit, it did work. Their defense was the lifeblood of their team last year. That is what made them a playoff team. The offense was good. It was good enough to make the playoffs when the defense was playing as well as it was. And that's where we're at. We have a very good defense, arguably an elite one, one of the best in the league, and you have an average at best offense at the moment. Again, not the order in which I would have wanted to do things, but... They did finally get around to start to build up the offense last offseason, spending some money on John Brown, spending some money outbidding the Patriots, if that's how that thing went down with Cole Beasley, getting Cole Beasley in here, spending a third-round pick on Dawson Knox. You can go back two drafts ago and say they did use a first-round pick on Josh Allen, and they moved heaven and earth to get up there to be able to pick him. They used a third-round pick on Devin Singletary. Second-round pick on Deion Dawkins. There have been some assets put on the offensive side, but where's the major one? Where is that other than the quarterback? Because you need that. But where's my star wide receiver? Where's my star tight end? Where's my first-round offensive tackle? Where is my, you know, I don't want to go running back here because I think they've done the right thing at running back. Where's I really need two wide receivers like that. Where are those assets at? And part of me wants them in that light to go into this draft that, yes, is incredibly deep and is also star-studded. You've got two things working against each other. One argument can be made that there are maybe five, six receivers in this class with superstar potential. And you should try to get one of those six by spending your first-round pick on a guy like that. Maybe even moving up to do it. Henry Ruggs, who seemed like a popular idea for the Bills in the past couple of days, now, I don't know, you read about Ruggs and it doesn't sound like he's making it to the Bills at 22. Or, 
There's the other argument of, well, it's an incredibly deep class. And maybe you won't get a superstar in the second, third, fourth round, but you're getting a darn good starting wide receiver. You have a guy with that potential, that capability. And that's attractive too. And the best example you can look for this is the last time the Bills spent a big asset at wide receiver. 2014, they move up, they draft Sammy Watkins in a historically good wide receiver draft class six years ago. The Bills decided they had to have the best one. They had to be the first to the party. First in line. And they draft Sammy Watkins. And I think Sammy Watkins is a very good player. I still believe that at the height of his power, Sammy Watkins is a number one wide receiver in football. Problem is, he's never at the height of those powers because he's injured all the time, and the Bills really didn't throw the ball that much, so he was never going to be utilized like that anyway. So, then what happens? We look, you could look right now. That Watkins pick, I don't even know if we'll ever remember it, is that they traded up. I'll remember it as they picked the top guy in a class where there were 15 good ones. You had Odell Beckham go after Sammy Watkins. Odell Beckham sitting there. Too many opportunities the Bills have had to get Odell Beckham, by the way, and I cannot believe it hasn't happened. Mike Evans, who actually went before Beckham at 7 that year. A true number one. Brandon Cooks at 20, who's had a great career so far and is still going, although he had a little bit of a down year with the Rams. Devontae Adams in the second round, a number one wide receiver. Allen Robinson in the second round, a number one wide receiver. Jarvis Landry in the second round, a great number two wide receiver in the league. John Brown in the third round, the Bills' current number one wide receiver. And you've had other guys mixed in there too. Martavis Bryant had a good season or two. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin had a good season or two in Carolina. You know, Paul Richardson had a good season. Jordan Matthews had a good season. You've got other guys mixed in in that draft class that had, you know, short careers that were good. And then that's about it. But you have, what, four, five, maybe, number one wide receivers that were picked in that draft class, and the Bills had to be at the front of the line. And no matter what happens, that will not be the case in the exact way this time around. They're not getting Jerry Judy. Like, it's just no way. It's not happening. Unless they just go nuts and trade, like, the first at 21, the first next year, and a second. Like, if they go nuts and think we got to have this guy because he's the elite number one that we want, then they might spend three, four assets to do it. But I cannot realistically see that happening, especially the way Brandon Bean talked today, especially the way Sean McDermott talked today about McDermott used the word responsible when he was asked about their quest to get a number one wide receiver. And... Brandon Bean, when asked about the position, talked more about the depth at it than anything else. So maybe this time around, it will be the opposite of what they did in 2014. Instead of getting the superstar prospect, they'll go for, we'll we'll settle for the sixth guy. We'll settle for the seventh guy. Because... In other draft classes, he'd be the first or second. And I don't mind that logic. But again, it conflicts, and this is why I'm a little torn, it conflicts with 
what they need to do philosophically, and that is invest in the offensive side of the football. They need to start putting major assets on that side, or they will not keep up in this league. Defense is a little random, more random than offense. And you never know year to year what's going to happen. Jordan Poyer's got a contract coming up in a year. Uh, You still don't have that star pass rusher. Jordan Phillips is going to leave. What are you going to look like a defensive tackle? Can Ed Oliver take that next step? There are questions on the defense, even though they still should be at least a very good one, very good unit next season. I need that offense to be consistent. If this team's going to be what they were last year, the five seed in the AFC, comfortably making the playoffs, if they want to be that year in and year out, and by the way, being what they were last year, which was in the division race into Week 16. They would have won it, right? Isn't that right? Isn't the math right in that? With New England losing to Miami, if the Bills beat New England in Week 16, they would have tried against the Jets, and I'm fairly confident they would have won that game had they tried. They could have been the AFC East champs if they had the offense. That's the next step. And... Drafting defense again in the first round. It's just that's that's not that's not it. That's not it. So you've got two things working against you. And I think that what would the smart thing to really be in this draft? This is where I'm setting up for where I think what I think they should do. Maybe that they should just go defense. And it kind of pains me to say that because I'm dying for this team to start to go invest draft capital, major draft capital, first-round picks, and big free agent dollars, like real big free agent dollars, big trade assets in receiver, tight end, tackle, like the big positions, the pillars of the offense. Because it's going to have to happen at some point. Or they're just going to keep going along as an average offense. Aren't they? Who's the guy at receiver who's going to step up and become my number one? They don't have the guy on the roster that can take a next step like that. John Brown's a very good player, and I think did a better job as their number one wide receiver maybe than anybody going back to who? Stevie Johnson, Lee Evans maybe even? like he's, He did a phenomenal job last year, but he's not a number one. Cole Beasley did a great job in the slot, not a number one. But we know what both those guys are. We know what they are. There's, there's no more growth. There's no more growth. They're just very good. Is Duke Duke Williams? Maybe? Is that the closest I'm going to get for this? Maybe it's Duke Williams. But I'm sorry, I just can't sit around waiting for Duke Williams to become my number one wide receiver. It's not the plan. And I need that guy. I think they should really, really think that they need that guy. Especially when you've got a quarterback that is a little bit inaccurate at times and he needs all the help he can get. So who's it going to be? It's not going to be, maybe, it doesn't sound like to me, and it. I am just said it myself, that maybe it's not the smartest thing to pick that guy this year in the first round. Well, where am I going? Am I going to hope that this second or third round guy that I end up drafting will be it? Maybe that's the best that they're going to end up doing. I think it might be. Because I don't. they're not getting Amari Cooper. No way. He's basically, he said Buffalo's not really... He all but said it. That he's not coming to Buffalo in the uh, the piece he did uh, on the Athletic like a month ago. So I don't know what what am what's my other alternative? Odell Beckham was available for trade last off season. They didn't do it. So I don't know what their other plan is. Now for what they should do in the first round, 
if they're not going to go at that position. I do also agree, even though that I, I don't really want them to go defense, they do need that star pass rusher. They don't have that guy. Shaq Lawson was nice, but better run defender than pass rusher. Trent Murphy, to me, has been a flop as a free agent acquisition. Now, that's another big contract, by the way, that they dished out on the defense that I didn't even mention. So I, I wouldn't be offended if he's not on the team next year. I probably would hope he's not. Um, Lorenzo's gone, and he was your second-best pass rusher. And Jerry Hughes is a very good pass rusher, but he's not an elite one. So what am I going to do? That's probably where you got to go. And honestly, that's kind of what Bean was talking about. So, you know what? I'll, I'll go with it. Even though I don't like the idea of, again, drafting a defensive player in the first round, because what would that mean? Doing a quick count. Trey White, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, and let's say they draft a pass rusher. Four out of five first-round picks would be on the defensive side of the football. And I don't like the sound of that, but it's the most important position on the defense. Right next to number one corner, if not above it. It probably is above it. If you look at valuations around the league, the money paid to defensive ends is, or to pass rushers is right is actually second to quarterback. So it's an important position. That would probably be the final piece, though, on the defense. I can't imagine that they're just going to keep spending first-round picks, though, on that side of the football. At some point, I got to do it. I got to start. I got to start surrounding Josh Allen with not just good pieces, but great pieces. Like it didn't really work in Cleveland last year, but man, I respect what they tried to do. Baker Mayfield showed up, and they were trying to surround him with great pieces, like Kansas City did with Mahomes. Mahomes has an elite tight end, an elite receiver in Tyreek Hill, another speedster in Michael in uh, uh, Hardman, Michael Hardman. Cleveland tried to do that, and that's why I respect it. They tried to go get a true number one in Beckham. They got a true number, like a, a great number two wide receiver, who could maybe even be a number one on some teams in Jarvis Landry. They spent a high draft pick for a running back on Nick Chubb. They took a risk on Kareem Hunt. They tried to surround Baker Mayfield with A-plus offensive pieces. And I'm still stuck here with the Bills, and my frustration with the offense this year was it's still B guys, B and B-plus players that are surrounding Josh Allen. And where are my A's going to come from? Because generally, that's the first round. And... It's a little annoying to me that it is kind of smart that they shouldn't do it this year um, in the first round. But there is still an argument to be made. I'm not going to be mad if they draft a receiver in the first round. I think you'll hear some of the arguments that I kind of brought up with what, what was the criticism of Sammy Watkins in 2014. You'll hear some of that because the way this receiving class is set up, if you draft a guy in the first round, it's very possible that you're going to hear about years down the road all these guys that were drafted later that ended up being really good. Maybe it's similar to like last year's draft class. Last year's draft class doesn't necessarily have a superstar um, that, that, appear, that appears so far. Maybe you'll get one. But how deep it was. Imagine you're, I don't know, imagine you're a uh, Baltimore Ravens fan with Hollywood Brown. He was the first receiver pick, 25, which is only a couple of picks after where the Bills pick. Hollywood Brown. Let's say whoever the Bills pick this year 
is as good as Hollywood Brown, who's very good. Like, I really like him. He might still be my favorite wide receiver from the draft class. Just a burner down the field who, it's almost like he's so fast and he's so good as a vertical threat that people don't want to think about the rest of it. And he's actually a pretty good and complete wide receiver. But, again, you don't always think of it because he's so fast and that like that's the discrepancy is, is so different that you wouldn't think about his other skills. Let's say, though, they get that level of player. Is that still smart when Debo Samuel was drafted 11 picks later and A.J. Brown was picked 26 picks later and D.K. Metcalf was picked 29 picks later and even Deontay Johnson was picked two rounds later? Terry McLaurin was picked two rounds later? I don't know. I'm a little torn, as you can kind of understand here, but... I am still leaning towards, I think it is the smart thing to do, and I think I'm, I'm glad that Brandon Bean sounded this way, that it sounds like, it sounds like they're leaning towards waiting on receiver. And I think that that's uh, just kind of, I think that's where we're going to live for the, the rest of this buildup towards the NFL draft. Especially if guys like Ruggs aren't going to get to him. Judy's not. LaVisca Chanel from Colorado. like These guys, I just don't think, are making it to him anyway. So, we'll see. 803-0550 is the phone number. Got a thought on the draft? Got a thought on anything that Brandon Bean had to say today? Sean McDermott as well. Let me know. We're going to hear some comments from Brandon Bean, though, after the break. So, stay tuned for the uh, for the GM's thoughts on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Let's get to Brandon Bean uh, right now. Let's not waste any time. Saber, the Bills GM uh, in Indianapolis for the Combine, not just draft stuff, free agency, Jordan Phillips, um, etc. Here is the Bills GM meeting with the media at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Your thoughts on expansion of playoffs or any of the things that are on the table at those meetings? We have conversations, but it's never like uh, it's never been a hardcore. What would you do if you, if you were us? But I think we we've, we've had conversations before, you know, either over dinner or just sidebar stuff. But uh, nothing of late. I think um, like us, they're they're as curious from their seat. Uh, of what you know, what will transpire if, if anything does get done. How much does it impact, um, you know, depending which way it goes, what you do with your contracts, guys you're extending? I mean, you have to kind of juggle a lot of different rules if they change things around and things like that. Yeah, we're, we're paying attention to it. You know, we uh, at the labor seminar in December, uh, they tried to school us up on some of the what ifs. You know, if, if you do go into the last year and nothing gets done, these are the things that will be different. Uh, and then these are some of the things that we're talking about potentially for a new CBA to be prepared for. But overall, we're just operating status quo right now. Uh, that's in a kind of a what if floating cloud, you know, out here. If it happens, great, we'll figure it out. I mean, what they'll do is if they do a new CBA, they'll call us together and have a meeting and review, especially all the new things that we need to be prepared for uh, whenever that date happens. But I'm just operating as is. We're going into the last year, and, and until it changes, you know, nothing's, nothing's new. Have you noticed it has, like, slowed down negotiations at all? If guys are like, well, I want to see what the new rep- Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. New split is, or I want to see what the, the rules are. Have you kind of noticed a little bit of a, a waiting game, I guess? I think agents are more trying to wait more necessarily than, than teams are. Yeah. I think they want to understand, and I'm sure with an additional potential game that, that's being talked about, right. uh, that makes sense. And and they may not have been, I don't know, as schooled up as we were from our December meeting of what changes there would be. So probably a little bit more unknowns for, for some of the agents out there than for some of the clubs. Do you have a preferred, in terms of extending guys who still have one year to go on their deal, not speaking of anybody in particular, but do you have a preferred timetable? To do them? Um, you know, it can vary, uh, not necessarily. You know, I think we've done probably the way it's worked out, I've done more after the draft uh, since Leading I've been up here. To September 1st, maybe. Yeah. Would be the... You know, if you think we did Jerry, we did Hauska, Eric Wood, I'm trying to think of. There may have been one or two others, but uh, that's been more. There's just so much going on from when the season ends uh, through the draft and free agency. It's hard to slow down and focus on guys that you already have under contract. Uh, things will slow down a little bit for us uh, on the personnel side, you know, in mid-May where I can kind of focus. But I would not be hesitant to do a deal now if it made sense with the agent and, you, you know, with the club. Can you take us through the thought process of – bringing in Greg Olson, negotiating with him, and that whole process. Yeah, so uh, obviously I'm very familiar with Greg uh, in Carolina when we traded for him in 2011. Uh, he was the first uh, tight end, I believe, in history to have three straight 1,000-yard seasons, so uh, multiple All-Pros, Pro Bowls, and, you know, a guy has, you know, he's put up some great numbers in this league, and so you're, anytime there's a guy like that, you're going to, you know, check it out. I'm, I'm always, you guys hear me, I'm always going to be looking from draft, free agency, salary cap cuts. Uh, somebody thinks this guy's too old, but maybe I don't. Whatever the case may be, uh, I'm going to take a look. Now, it doesn't mean because we bring a guy in for a visit that we're necessarily going to sign him. But uh, if it's somebody that I think can help the Bills, I'm going to investigate it. Building on that, then, the XFL. Is that something that you've kind of kept an eye on and had your guys look at? Yeah. we Anything that's, that's football, uh, we're going to check it out. CFL, XFL, we were watching the AAF, so uh, I think it's good. You know, I love any you know, of these other leagues. Just we don't have a minor league system uh, like some of the other uh, professional leagues do. So for us, um, that's another chance for guys to play football. You can only, you know, you can run around and work guys out, but this is true simulation. Helmets on, pads on, of playing the game. So uh, we'll definitely, uh, we definitely do have an eye on the XFL. Wide receiver draft class, um, and we're assuming you're you might take one of these guys. What are you looking for ideally, based on what you already have on the roster? What what kind of guy? What skill set are you really looking to hone in in 
on, on these guys? You know, Sal, it's a good question. Honestly, I'm looking for a good player. And I've said this before, receiver of all position probably comes in uh, the, the Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors, like uh, size, speed, uh, length, um, guys run after catch, um, all sorts of you know variables. There's really small guys that do a lot of the stuff that Isaiah McKenzie does behind the back, you know, behind the, the line of scrimmage. Uh, there's guys that I call playing above the, the rim. Of, of your head coach, Sean <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach McDermott. <laughs> um, We'd like that answer. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a declining. Um, but in all seriousness, Sal, there's you know. This is a deep receiver draft. I think I can say that now. It's um, just I feel more comfortable. I was asked about the Senior Bowl and still was doing some recon on some of these guys. But the only one of the last things left is the medical. Uh, you know, some of these guys and make sure they medically check out. But if that happens, you know, I think it will be a very deep position, probably the deepest in the draft. And and we're not just looking for you know, a certain thing, a speed or a size. We're looking for good players that we know that can come in and fit alongside what we've already got, you know, the John Brown, Cole Beasley, and the rest of that group. You how much does your – how are you trying to fill Lorenzo's spot? I mean, he did a little bit of everything, and in your scheme, that linebacker isn't on the field a whole lot. How are you looking to try to fill that specific spot? Yeah, it's hard because there's not a lot of guys, uh, speaking of Lorenzo, who played a D-tackle at one point, there's not a lot of guys that uh, can play a stack linebacker like he could and then also give you something as a pass rusher. And not only on the edge, you know, we had him rush inside, you know, over guards as well. So uh, I'm not sure we're necessarily going to find that piece. doesn't mean he's the only one, but, um, you know, there's there's various rushers, guys running three fours and four threes. So, uh you know, we'll obviously try and find, you know, a guy that can at least play will linebacker. I don't know if we'll, you know, we'll have, you know, a spot to, that the guy will play that and also give us something at rush. There are guys that will do it, but it's not very many. How much direct cause and effect is there in your ability or inability to sign your free agent edge or defensive end Shaq uh, and maybe throw Jordan into that mix? And your draft plan. I mean, are they are they directly linked, or can you can you go into the draft just focusing on what this draft offers? It seems to be a lot with edge guys, and that's irregardless of or that is regardless of what happens with your free agent. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's irregardless. I think even if we sign back both Shaq and Jordan, the guys you mentioned, uh, it would not deter me. Uh, in any round to take another pass rusher. Um, I think it's one of the premium positions. You see where uh, it get, you know, those guys, the, the elite ones get paid. Um, after the quarterback, that's usually the next highest paid position. So if there's a guy there in any round that we think can come in and help our roster, we would take him whether we re-sign those guys or not. I'm and then along with, with the that, defensive line, uh, restructured Stars contract a couple weeks ago. What yeah. was the, the thought process behind that? What's the impact of that moving forward? Yeah, the impact is that you know it gives us a little little money back to, to use elsewhere, and and um, you know Shaq's been a, I mean um, Star's been a great player for us and done a great job, and you know unfortunately uh, he doesn't get the credit he deserves, and uh, I'm probably his biggest defender out there, and, and I'll continue to be for the sense if if you ask our D line and you ask our linebackers, um, you go ask Luke Keekley in Carolina, uh, I know how much he loved him and told me he missed him when he left that this guy eats blockers and, and, and he helps our run game. One of the biggest things that we struggled with in 2017 was our run defense. And if you don't stop the run, 
you can't get to third and long to let the pass rushers free. So that's what you know Star does. Um, but we did work uh, you know a deal with him, which gave him some guaranteed money, and you know kind of protected him. But then he gave us something back in return. In a general sense, you had a year where you took on cap space. You had a year when you revamped a whole side of the ball, and now from the outside, it appears more fine tuning. Which one of those is the most challenging for a general manager? Yeah, it's it, it's all hard, you know, because people say, well, you got, you know, $80 million. Um, but if you, you know me, I want to draft, develop, and sign our own. So it's not like we can go out and spend a bunch of money in free agency and then watch our own guys walk out the door. So it's a fine line. We do have holes to fill. Um, but but we also want to make sure we have money in 2020 and then we got some guys coming up in 2021 and in 2022 I want to make sure we have the funds you know to to be able to re-sign those guys if they're willing you know to sign back with us. You're satisfied with what you have at tight end or do you feel that still after you addressed it heavily last year? Yeah. Is that set in your mind or do you feel you need to do any more? <laughs> satisfied in me is not a we, we don't get along too well so um, I'm always looking for whatever position, tight end, uh, you know, running back, whatever you name it, Vic. If it's something that I think will improve our team, whether it's adding leadership, whether it's adding you know an elite player on the field, whether it's a young guy in the draft, um, any of those areas, uh, I will attack it. You know, competition, I think, you know, brings the best out of guys. So um, I'd rather have too many at one position than not enough. Brandon. Uh both you and Sean are familiar with Josh Norman, just released by Washington. Is there mutual interest in bringing him up to Buffalo, kind of keeping that pipeline going? Yeah, you know, we have, uh, we do very, we're very familiar with Josh. Uh, we had some great years with him, and uh, remember the day we drafted him and, and where he grew from. So, uh, yeah, he is out there on the free agent market, and uh, we have looked into him and and, and even talked to him. So, uh, I nothing more than that to where it would go. I'm sure, you know, he may have some teams that he's looking at beyond Buffalo. So. Uh, probably similar to Greg Olson, you know, he's in a, a spot where he'll be able to choose where he wants to go. Uh, he's officially a free agent. So um, beyond that, I don't know, you know, what his plan will be or, or whether we'll come to any type of agreement. Brandon, going back to the wide receivers and just being a deep class, even more than it being deep, what is the most unique thing about this class that's different from yours in the past? You know, the depth is the is the thing. I don't know. There's a, And there truly are a lot of different guys. I mean, you, you can, uh, you know, I've looked at just some of the mocks to see where people have guys coming into this combine and, and there's uh, their speed there's size guys um, there's underclassmen there's seniors that didn't come out that you know that are very good too so um, you know I think it's there could be a lot of guys drafted you know all the way through from one to to seven that could truly I mean we were talking about the other day there's gonna be guys drafted on the third day of the draft that may come in and take a, a veteran spot on a team. It's that deep. We will continue on with Brandon Bean's comments right after a quick timeout. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for hanging out here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Quick uh, NHL score update if you're wondering. You might have saw that Tampa got out to an early 1-0 lead on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the Leafs have struck twice. So at the end of one period, Toronto up 2-1. The Leafs currently sit six points 
ahead of the Sabres, but by the end of the night, they will have played two more games than Buffalo. They got goals by John Tavares and Jake Muzzin in that one. So uh, here's to rooting for Tampa to come back there. Let's continue on with uh, Brandon Bean's press conference, though, earlier in Indianapolis at the Combine. Matter who you have currently at the position when you go to make the draft pick, meaning like we think in terms of, oh, you want to fit in because of what you already have, but you're hoping this draft pick's with you for five or ten years. So does it, how much does that come into play when you're actually making the pick? Yeah, I mean, if the, again, back to competition. You bring it in, you let him compete it out. Maybe in year one, uh, he doesn't necessarily beat out the veteran, but he earns some playing time, learns, you know, how Sean and I want to to do things, you know, on the field, off the field, and maybe it's in year two, but you've got him on a cost certainty basis for at least four years, and you know. That helps you, you know, if you add it there, maybe you move on from the veteran player that he took over in year two and allows you to sign another position at a you know, position of need, you know, in 2021. Your offense was 24th in yards, 23rd in points, 26th in passing. It got better, yeah. but what do you need? Yeah, we need to score more points. That's what we need to do, and, and it affects. Uh, there's so many reasons why you got to, you know, score more points. So uh, you got to protect better. You got to run the ball better. You got to throw the ball better. Uh, we got to catch it better. I mean, there's. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. It starts with me, uh, making sure I'm bringing in the right personnel. Uh, there were some things we did this off season and uh, you know last year that helped, and I thought. Brian Dayball and, and, and his staff and, and Josh, uh, they took a step in the right direction. Uh, obviously, it wasn't enough, and, and we got to take a bigger step next year, and, and those guys will be the first to tell you we got to grow. And, and again, uh, there's no more blame on anybody than, than I look at the man in the mirror uh, on that. So, um, again, we'll continue to look to add pieces you know, here in, in March and April and, and see what it looks like after the draft. You mentioned Brian Dable. You mentioned Brian Dable and obviously adding weapons. Uh, LaVisca Chenault's a guy that really can kind of do everything, and I know you've scouted him quite a bit. What do you think of what he can bring, not only as a player, but his versatility, because I know you guys love that. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a good player. Um, he's um, I think he had a little bit of a nagging injury this year, but uh, if you go back and watch his film before, you know, he's been a productive player uh, at Colorado, and, and you know, put his name up there as one of the better receivers, and and we'll see. He's a he's a bigger you know bigger young man that, um, to your point, Matt has done some things down the field, but also done some of the stuff behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, kind of a bigger, thicker guy that um, doesn't necessarily always have to run around guys. Can actually run through guys as a receiver. So uh, his tape was fun to watch. Richard, when, when you have such a deep wide receiver class here, what is the opportunity versus the challenge of trying to play the draft where a lot of these guys are probably going to fall down further than they usually would, whereas trying to or potentially missing out on the one you like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's important for, for us to get our board right and to make sure we're putting the value on it and see where the value is. And how much better is this guy that we have a first-round grade on than – you know, a mid-second or, or even into the third. And and then where, what other positions of value are up there? And if we're on the clock in the first round and there's a receiver there and there's a player at another position and they're both at similar value and I look down and see, man, it's a long way before the next one at the other position is I probably should take that knowing that there's more guys here. But, again, uh, the receiver might be sticking out as clearly the better player, and if that's the case, you take the best player on the board. When you look back at who you eventually picked, 
When you come back to this event with the interviews and the chance to sit down and talk to them, have you ever looked back and thought how impactful maybe any individual was when you got a chance to meet with them here? And I know sometimes you meet with them at the facility, but talking about the interview, the actual talking to the player, putting them up on the board, that type of thing, mm -hmm. how impactful it is. Oh, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, the medical is obviously the most important thing in the combine, but for me, the interview, getting these guys in a setting that they can't predict. We don't go through the canned questions. You know, I'm sure some teams still do that, but for me, you know, we get on the board where we watch film and just to see how these guys respond. Do they take ownership of a mistake that, you know, or that happened on a play? Why did you, you know, do this? Or, and just see their knowledge. What coverage is this? See where they're at. What personnel group? And find out, you know, a little bit about them, uh, where they're at, their knowledge, their love for the game. We ask them some questions about, you know, when did you start playing football? You know, what attracted you? What are you most excited about the NFL? Is it, you know, is it, is it money? Is it, you know, is it whatever? So we get into a lot of things. And to your point, uh, there are times when you draft a guy, you go, man, I was sold on that guy uh, the first three minutes of his interview here, you know, in Indianapolis. Hey, Brandon, they reduced those, though, this year. You lost 15 players. What's your, what's your thought on that? Yeah, that's frustrating for me. Uh, that's probably of the change. There's always some good and change and probably some bad, but probably the thing that I was most disappointed in is going from 60 to 45 interviews. And so i got to figure out how we can make up for losing these 15 guys. I mean, we'll still get out, um, but I may find myself out on the road even more in March to try and get my hands on as many guys as I can because I really want to get to meet as many as I can before I would turn the card in and say, this guy's going to be a Buffalo Bill. The 30 you can bring to this stadium? Um, you know, we'll still be able to bring the 30. It, it changes the names because, yeah, maybe now i got to bring in a guy that if I could have got here, I wouldn't have needed to. I could have checked that box. So uh, I hope in the future, and I've expressed, and I, I think some other GMs have as well, that uh, 45 is not enough. we got to try to work that number closer to 60. I don't know if we'll get it back to 60, but um, uh, that's probably the hardest thing with the change for me. All right, there's uh, the comments from Brandon Bean. Stay tuned. We'll get a little of uh, Sean McDermott's as well in the second hour, a little bit later on in the second hour. I want to spend some time on the Sabres, though, in the first segment of the next hour with Dominic Cahoon and this weird season that they've had It's with second-line center where they've been willing and showed the willingness to try a winger down the middle in Marcus Johansson because – he is a better option than at that position than any of your other natural centers. Well, here's Dominic Cahoon, and I don't even need to get into the Reinhardt thing again, but can, should probably mention it. Uh, Cahoon said today that centers his natural position, and like that's what he wants to play, is what it sounded like. So we'll get into that a little bit. I'll, I'll play that clip from Cahoon, and then uh, we'll get back into uh, the Bills a little bit to uh, wrap up the show. So the nightcap with Joe DiBiase, 803-0550, by the way. If you got any thoughts, give me a call here on WGR. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Ken really taking the day south as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The nightcap. We're eating their food on WGR Sports Radio 550. Hour two of the nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. I believe. This is my final, nope, Friday, Friday, 
the show. She know, you know, she knows the schedule off the top of my head. I do. Um, you know, forgot it for a second there. Tomorrow night, pregame will start at 7 o'clock, so you have Brian Cozy all along for the Pauline Belts pregame show an hour before Sabres and Avalanche. Thursday, we'll have Niagara basketball on for you. I'll be at the roast, and uh, this will be my first roast, so I'm looking forward to it. And Friday, uh, 10 o'clock puck drop in Vegas for the Sabres and the Golden Knights. Pre-game will start at 9, so I will have a full nightcap for you from 7 to 9. Uh, first day on the ice for Wayne Simmons at practice. Our first look at what Ralph Kruger does with the lines when you add a guy like that into the mix. And I was intrigued. I was intrigued. It's not quite what I wanted, but I'm starting to think what I want's never going to happen at center. Um, got a couple people tweeting at me right now about Sam Reinhart. Like, what? Just why? Like, why? Well, why isn't he ever even getting a shot? And I'm starting to have the thought because I, I, there is no reasonable explanation for not trying him out at center. There isn't. Especially when you're now going through the almost an entire season and you've grabbed a guy who's been playing wing for the majority of his career and plays better at wing. For the majority than center for the majority of his career. And you decided, logically and correctly, that the team's needs in this situation should come before the players' needs. So, even though Marcus Johansson probably puts up more points and maybe more goals playing on the right wing, he is our best option and he will do the best job as a second line center in an offensive role, compared to the other centers on the roster, like Johan Larson, like Curtis Lazar, like Rasmus Asplin down in Rochester, he'll do a better job than them. So that's we need him to do it, so he's doing it. The same logic should and could be applied to Sam Reinhardt. For me, the logic of why you put him there has never been He's at his best there. I mean, to be frank, that's still possible, though. He was a center his whole life until he got to the NHL, and suddenly he wasn't. So maybe he would. Now that the last two seasons, he's done a much better job driving play. He's done. He's at much higher rate of zone entries, more efficient with his zone entries. Playmaking ability, like he's got all the tools you would want as a good second-line center. The only thing he lacks a little bit is that breakaway speed. But, to be honest, not everybody needs it. If you're if you're great in all other areas, then, then you should be fine. Ryan O'Reilly doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's a number one center in the league. Patrice Bergeron's not blazing speed, not blazing fast either. He's a number one center in hockey. So, Reinhardt, to me, has enough tools other than the skating that he's got the capability. All right, so he's got the capability. He doesn't have the NHL experience, but he has the experience. Like, he, he's not going to, it's not like, you know, he's never done it before. The guy was the number one center for Team Canada at the World Juniors when they won a gold medal. Um, so why not? Why not even try it? Try it. You've been willing to try another winger there. So what's the problem? Now, one of two things is happening here to me. One, 
Ralph Kruger is just really that dead set on having a super line, of having Olafson, Eichel, and Reinhardt. That's just going to be a constant. They're not splitting those guys up under any circumstances. We're going to have a, a super line, and that's that's the end of it. And that's kind of how he's talked. That's obviously how his actions have dictated the lines. And it's hard to see that changing. So that's probably the biggest reason why. Or, and they both these both could be right. Or, maybe Sam Reinhardt has just said to them, I don't want to play center. I'm playing on Jack Eichel's wing. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. Don't put me down the middle. And I guess that's a possibility as well. And the first of the two is probably way more likely. But when you go through season after season like this, and it just doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, at some point I thought to myself, just like what what other possible out scenario is there for why it's not ha- why it hasn't even happened for a little while? And I I, I didn't hear it, but someone's tweeting at me that. The instigators had mentioned earlier today on the station that he's had a chance in the NHL to play center. And respectfully, like that's just that's not true. Sam Reinhardt has not had a real chance to play center in the NHL. He has not. Nine games as a teenager on a tanking team doesn't count. And a week and a half with Seth Griffith and Nick Baptiste. Doesn't count. Now, away from that, I don't want to spend too much time on that. I've done that song and dance a lot. Now we've got Dominic Cahoon entering into the picture. And again, here's the wonder. And We want to get to a point, right, where we don't have to th- th- talk about this stuff. The wingers that could play center. The wingers that played center before they got to the NHL. The guys that have played earlier in their careers, like Johansson. We, you want to get to a point where none of that enters the, the realm of conversation. Remember, that used to be a thing. That used to be a thing. Like back when Connolly and Roy were in the picture and you were looking for centers like, oh, Jokin Hesh, he can do it. He can do it. And a can do it was enough. Vili Leno was a winger, but he could play center. He can play center. So we're going to do that. That's going to be our plan. And you don't want to live in that existence. You don't want to have that. You want to get to a point where you just got a second line center. He's a center. He's good. And we're fine. That's why it's so frustrating they traded Ryan O'Reilly away. But here we are, and you're left with your options. And if we're just strictly talking about the rest of this season, which I'm still not taking seriously, they can make the playoffs, but they believe they can get in a race, so I'm going to talk as though they're in a race. What's your best option on the short term? Well, it's no doubt Reinhardt, but they've made it clear they're not doing that. So now what? Johansson has not played great, but I still believe he's done a better job in that spot than anybody else on the roster would. His points per game are about one every other game, which is not too far off his career average. So at least offensively, he has not seen that big of a dip in production. But could you explore another guy? Because now enters the enter Dominic Cahoon, who the Sabres acquired yesterday for Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez. The trade itself, I love. You traded two guys that were not a part, not going to be a part, of the organization moving forward. Most likely, Sherry was a UFA at the end of the year. Rodriguez was an RFA, but had asked for a trade months before, or even a month ago. So, you got a guy that could be around for a while. 
long-term picture. Super cool. He's wearing number 95, by the way. Love the numbers and the high numbers. And today, or for, first, let me go back to yesterday. He gets traded, and what's everybody's reaction? Oh, he's a center. Because you go to HockeyReference.com and you see the C. He's listed as a center. You got to be careful with that. Yahoo still lists Patrick Kane as a center on their fantasy webs on the, when you play fantasy hockey. And, like, have you ever seen Patrick Kane play center in the NHL? Maybe he did it, like, way early in his career. I don't remember it. I'm not even sure it happened. For some reason, they've got Patrick Kane listed at center. So you got to be careful in what you trust positionally on some sites. He hasn't played center in the league. Not at all. He didn't do it at all for Pittsburgh, and he did it, I think, maybe very sparingly for Chicago. But the majority of his career... Like, over 95% of it. He's been a winger. Then, his conference call today. And this is not a guy who's been in the league very long. Last year was his rookie season. And now I'm thinking about whether they would give it a shot. Because, you tell me. I'll play the clip here. He doesn't nest, He doesn't exactly say he wants to play center. But I feel like the way he's talking, he wants to play center. The most I played at center because uh, I played center all my life before I went to the NHL. Then in Chicago, I started to play wing, and this year in Pittsburgh, I played wing also. So, yeah, I think it's positive that I can be anywhere, like winger or center, but most of the times I play center for sure in my life. So hear, hear him there. He, he does say he's got the versatility. He does say he can play all three positions, and I, I think that's a good thing. You want to have that. But he sounds to me like he, he believes that he's an NHL centerman. And I'm back at a point where because Johansson is not really taking the bull by the horns with that second-line center position, and because I don't really have another alternative, that I'm again at a point where what's the harm in just trying it? And he's probably—actually, we don't know if he's gonna, they're going to try that at all. Uh, no line rushes for him today. I don't even think he's with the team yet. He'll be with the team tomorrow, actually. Um, he sounded like, or he said that if he doesn't play tomorrow, he'll play Friday. So maybe we'll know by Friday whether they want to give that a shot. I'd be open to it. If the guy tells you, if the guy comes in, like that'd be my first question, by the way, if I'm Ralph Kruger. It doesn't have to be his first question, but my first question to Dominic Cahoon when he walks in my locker room and I meet him for the first time is, can you play center? Are you comfortable playing center? And if he sounds at all like he just sounded there, he sounds like he's pretty confident he can do it. And at that point, what the hell? We're desperate. <laughs> Aren't we? We're desperate for that position, at least on the short term, because they don't have another guy. And, you know, I, I did an interview on my podcast earlier today um, with Hunter, uh, escaping my name, Hunter Halo uh, from Locked On Penguins. And he when talking about what Cahoon is as a player. He's very balanced. He said he's not a liability in his own end. He's not... He has a good shot. He has good hands. What it sounds like to me is he's pretty good at everything. He might not be amazing in any one particular particular area, but he's pretty good at everything. And if as long as he's not a liability in his own end, then I think I might be able to get away with him playing down the middle. So I, I'm 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 at a point where you know what I know he hasn't done it in the NHL, but this is the same logic with Reinhardt to me, and it was the same logic with Johansson at the beginning of the season. 
is he better than my alternative? And there's reason to believe that he is because he's more skilled offensively. So I'm ready for them to try that on. I'm ready for it. Will they actually do it? I'd like to say they won't, but again, we do have an example in Johansson of they will put a guy who's a winger at center. They'll do it. So maybe they will. Maybe they will. They had Johansson playing a little bit of wing um, in the past couple of weeks as they moved Skinner off of his line. And now he's back there, but I think that's because we've seen that Ralph Kruger's trying to put together like a real second line that can score. They have not, really, their second line in the past two weeks has been the log line. It's been Giergensen, Zuckposo, and Larson. When you look at minutes played, like those are the guys. Now, love those guys. I think they're having a great season. I'm ready, I'm honestly, even though I've been yelling about them changing the bottom six and churning the bottom of the roster for two years maybe, or at least a year, I'd tell you right now, I'd be fine, completely fine, if they gave Larson and Giergensen another short-term contract, low money, if they could find a way to keep those guys around. Would totally be okay with that. But they are they do not have the offensive capability of being a second line. We, we know that. We know they don't. They're scoring some goals lately. Okposo scored twice in the last game. Okposo was their best player in Pittsburgh, I thought. But consistently, they're not scoring a lot of a big number of goals for you. And now you might have the pieces to have a real second line, or at least have some options for a real second line. So today at practice, it was Johansson down the middle, Skinner on his left wing, Wayne Simmons on his right wing. This might be what you need for Jeff Skinner, by the way. These are not superstars. Wayne Simmons has eight goals in the season. He might continue to do nothing offensively. He might. And Johansson maybe doesn't get crack above a point every other game for the rest of the season. But... For the first time all year, I think you've actually got two players on the line with Jeff Skinner that have some real offensive capabilities. Finally. But, like, it's, I'm not even kidding. It's literally the first time all season that maybe he'll get the chance to do that on a consistent basis. I'm looking at the line combinations from the, over the course of the season that Jeff Skinner has been with. 22% of... His ice time this year was on a line with Marcus Johansson, who is a playmaker, so there's one, and, oh, wait, Vladimir Sabatka, who, I, I, can't, I guess I can't analytically say this anymore because Michael Froelich's been so bad, but before Froelich got here, Sabatka was the worst offensive player on the team, maybe including the defensemen, maybe including the goaltenders. I mean, he's just painfully bad, awful. Travis Yost from TSN, in the offseason, before this year, called Sabatka the worst player in the NHL last year. That guy has spent... A quarter of Skinner's ice time this year was spent with that guy. And when was the last time he played? It was like two months ago. So that's his most frequent line combination. Then I go down one more line. Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sherry, the two guys that are now in Pittsburgh. They're not even on the team. That's the second most frequent line Skinner's been on. Rodriguez took him 20-some games to finally score a goal. He's got like four assists on the season, so he's not really setting guys up. Sherry's not a playmaker. He can finish if he's with a really good centerman. He is not setting you up. So there's Skinner left out to dry. Then, after that, it's Larson and Sherry. 
and again, I've loved Larson this season, but he's not a guy that's getting Jeff Skinner to 30, 40 goals and, and setting him up. That's 7.8%. 6.2% is Johansson and Jimmy VC. That might be the best I got. That's probably the closest thing you're going to get to what they got right now with them. Um, and then under 5%. The rest are under 5%. You got Asplund and, and uh, Johansson, Froelich and Johansson, Eichel and Reinhardt way down the list. Um, Lazar is in here now because they played a little bit. There's a, like 3% of middle stat. So all in all, what I'm trying to say is because Cahoon's here and because Simmons is here, my hope is that Skinner is now going to actually find the back of the net because he's got some real teammates to play with which I will continue to say. That will be my defense of Jeff Skinner's season. You cannot expect that guy to put up 30-plus goals when so much of his ice time was spent with Sabatkas and Rodriguez's and Sherry's and Lazar's. I'm sorry. I don't care how much you're paying him. That's not who he is as a player. And maybe now they'll actually get a chance. And throw... I made some lines earlier in the day, just uh, you know, fooling around, and a lot of people seem to like them, but it included Reinhardt at center. So acknowledging that's not going to happen, I'll change them a little bit here. What I'd like to see them do, if they're willing, which I hope they are, but if they're willing to try out Cahoon at center, you can keep your Eichel, Ulfs, and Reinhardt line together, and now your second line could be Skinner, Cahoon, Johansson. It's an option. It's something you could try. Maybe it'll work. I hope they do it. 803-0550 is the phone number. Quick check of the NHL scoreboard, by the way. We've been monitoring uh, the Leafs and Lightning for you. Toronto is six points up on the Sabres. They will have played two more games after tonight. Toronto holds a 2-1 to lead with eight minutes to go in the second period. Uh, one other game that will affect the Sabres in this race you consider them in it. Uh, they play the Coyotes tonight at 9 o'clock. So uh, you got a half hour until puck drop in Arizona. We will get back into football after this timeout. We'll hear some from Sean McDermott. He makes a comment within it about the running back position. And it makes me very intrigued and, and optimistic about what the Bills' plan is to supplement Devin Singletary this offseason. I'll point it out for you when we return. And uh, we'll hear some from Sean McDermott. If you got a call on the Sabres, by the way, before we do that, now's your time to call. 803-0550. We'll get you on right after the break. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. I so wish I had this uh, Toronto-Tampa game on in here, but of course NBCSN has to put the Blackhawks on. I'm in a complaining mood tonight, I guess. NBCSN's got the freaking Blackhawks on instead of Toronto and Tampa. Um, Toronto just scored two quick goals after Tampa tied it at 2-2, so now it's 4-2 Lightning. Everyone on Twitter is just going nuts. The last goal, Nylander apparently did something crazy. And, of course, the goal before Zach Bogosian's back. I don't know what he did. I haven't seen the video yet, but everybody is just like, sheesh, Zach Bogosian, what are you doing? Dmitry Filipovic from ESPN tweeted, anyone can look good on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then it's Zach Bogosian cracks his knuckles. So, 
I've been saying it for a year. This guy does not belong in the NHL. He is not an NHL defenseman anymore. He shot. And the, took the Sabres months to figure that out. Um, Tampa, maybe we'll figure it out quicker. Maybe. I still want to see what it is. But, or I want to see the play. So I shouldn't maybe blast him too much yet. But if what I'm seeing on Twitter is uh, accurate, he made, uh, he made a really bad play. Hope to see it soon. 803-0550 is the number. We're going to get to Sean McDermott in a second. Uh, but let's uh, wrap up our Sabres conversation here. It's been a lot of time. I, I, Reinhardt, I went over the why he should be a second-line center um, again. It's going on deaf ears, uh, at least with the Sabres. And now I'd like to see Cahoon. Like, give him a shot there. He sounds like he wants to... Um, he sounds like he's co- he would be confident in playing in that position. And what's the harm in trying it? Because, again, it's not like Marcus Johansson has been phenomenal in that spot this year. I think he's been better than maybe some people have given him credit for in that spot, but he's not been good, very good. He's been okay at best. 803 is the number. Let's go to Mark. Mark, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hello. Yeah, Mark, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, what's up? I, I, I'm listening to you, and I I, I really kind of like what Botterill did as far as the trade deadline. Didn't give up a lot. Got some guys that I think can help us. Um, as far as Johansson, though, being that second-line center with Skinner, I, I have to disagree with you. I think Lazar would be a much better fit with Cahoon and, and Skinner. What Lazar, why? Why Lazar? Lazar's winning a ton of face-offs. He's okay. talent. I, I just think he's been underutilized in his uh, in his time here. He he's been speed to keep up with that line. Who doesn't have the speed to keep up the line? He'll slow that line down. Who? Johansson. He'll just slow that line right down. Johansson is twice as fast as Lazar. I don't. I don't agree with you there. I, I I don't know what you're watching. I think maybe you're being tricked by the fact that Lazar plays half as much as Johansson, and maybe he looks fresher, but. No, like, come on. Lazar's played 300 games in the NHL. He has 19 goals. He's a fourth-line center at best. I've liked him this year. I think that he's done enough to make me think you can move on from Larson um, if you want, if you need to. I'm starting to like the idea of keeping him. But he's got 19 goals in 300 games. He's my second-line center. I'm trying to get people that can score with Jeff Skinner, that can produce offense. And I'm putting a fourth-line center up there? Come on. Like, say what you want about Johansson, but I don't have to go too far back to find his 19th goal in the league. And he's not even a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. Last year. I only have to go back to last year. Johansson is a good offensive player. He's a proven offensive player. He has 359 points in 641 games. He's a 40-50 to point player. Lazar is, you're lucky if he cracks double-digit points. (laughs) <laughs> like he's four times as offensive with his production. He's a better puck carrier. He's better with zone entries. And I'm sorry, if you think Curtis Lazar is a second line center option, I can't help you. I can't. There, there's just he's not even close. Not even close. He wins faceoffs. Great, Vladimir Sabatka wins faceoffs and nothing else. So how important should I really think that, that is? Sorry, I'm just not taking that seriously. I'm in a feisty mood though, so. Sorry. Thanks for the call, Mark. Let's uh, now get to uh, Sean McDermott's comments. He's got a comment in here about uh, the running back position that I found very interesting. And 
I, I don't know. I, I think that there's something to be said for the Bills always going for the veteran running back, but they have changed their tune on certain positions. Wide receiver, they went from big and slow to small and fast, and that's worked. Um, and maybe they'll change their tune at running back too, where they'll just go with two young guys and their veteran and TJ Yeldon. Um, you'll hear that from McDermott here. Here's a portion of his meeting with the media in Indy earlier today. Alexander position. Um, he did a lot of things. Is the priority there to get a pass rushing defensive end or the linebacker piece of that? I mean, he did a little bit of all, all of it. For your scheme, what do you think you have to do there to replace that that spot? Yeah, I mean, similar to Kyle, you know, it's it's. Uh, I made a comment earlier. I'm 0 for 3 in terms of uh, forcing guys into retirement, I guess. You know, you got Kyle and and Eric Wood, I, I thought I was 0 for 2, but I guess I'm 0 for 3 with Eric. That was brought to my attention, um, although that was forced um, due to medical reasons. But um, And now with, with Lorenzo, I don't think you ever replace those guys, um, in particular from a leadership standpoint. To your point on the field in terms of the skill set, Lorenzo was such a unique player because of the skill set. He could play linebacker, dropping into coverage. He could rush the passer. He was a big force for us on special teams. Um, sometimes that takes more than one player to, to fill that. And so, and then you, when you add the leadership component on top of that, uh, that's hard to find out there. And what are your thoughts as it applies to the leadership part? How, you, how do you envision that being filled as difficult as you said it is? Well, you know, we look at the guys that we have from a leadership standpoint, the Lee Smiths of the world, the Micah Hydes. You look at for, um, when you look at Josh and Tremaine and their growth and development, you know, they're going to need to take on some of that ownership and responsibility as well. And so, but that's what their development, part of what their development in the, in the time that we've spent with them and their maturation, that's part of the next step for them. And, and so, um, and they're ready for it. And, and, and they've got the respect of their teammates and, and they've earned that. So, um, you know, it'll come from a lot of different areas as, as it usually does. The better your team gets, the more money can become a factor. But your job is to coach and evaluate. So how do you handle that and you and Brandon work together when it becomes evaluating player but also understanding, you know, they may get paid more, they may go somewhere else. How do you two sort that out? Well, you know, I think first and foremost when you win, when you have success, people start to look at your team and uh, the teams that aren't winning, very few guys sometimes are able to go other places or leave from those teams. Um, you know, having been around a couple Super Bowls, uh, sometimes that happens. And so uh, I, I, we take that uh, with an amount of respect for what we're doing and how we're doing it. But also, yeah, money does come in. And so we've got to make sure that the pieces of the pie get, get uh, proportioned the right way in terms of building the, the team that we're going to have this season. And, and so Brandon does a really good job with that. Uh, his staff as well in terms of making sure we find players if we're not able to retain uh, that we can find players that we feel like uh, can help fill the void. So how do you feel like, uh, you know, with Jerry being past 30, Trent getting there, um, you might lose Shaq. Is edge rusher something you really need to concentrate on in this offseason period? Well, I mean, Shaq's a, a good football player. Uh, Jordan's a good football player. We've got some guys that are free agents up front. Uh, we do believe in building it up front, as you guys know, on both sides of the ball. Um, so we're, that's a position that we're always going to look uh, look twice at to make sure that we've got what we feel like is enough to win. Is the XFL a viable option to find guys to maybe fill out the bottom part of rosters? 
Absolutely. You know, we look we look everywhere to to help improve our football team, improve the competition, make us better. Uh, whether it's the XFL or any league for that matter, or, or just you know looking again with free agency or other players that have been been released from other teams, uh, as you guys know, we've looked at a couple of those as well, and that's that's in an effort to improve our football team, and that's again to me being re- us being responsible and doing our due diligence to broaden our our uh, scope of what's out there to improve our our football team. You took a look at Greg Olson or try try to sign him, um, but tight end in general. Dawson had a problem with drops. Uh, as you assess the position, what's your level of I guess, satisfaction, for sake of a better term, with what you have and, and how much better it, it needs to get from here? Well, I'm very confident in the group of players we have at that position. I think it's one of our deeper positions. Uh, when you look at uh, Lee, let's start with Lee and the veteran leadership and, and what Lee brings to us in terms of the toughness and and then uh, the year that Dawson had, and, and then you say, okay, Tyler, you know, Tyler made a, he worked through a lot of adversity last season, even going into last season to begin with, and, and, and what he was able to do late in the year for us, in particular the game he had against Pittsburgh, which helped us clinch the playoff berth, and, and so, um, and then Tommy Sweeney, a young player, and a couple other guys in there. So, um, you know, I'm very confident in that position group, and I think as you talk about some of the areas where we struggled last year at that position, Vic, I think youth factored into some of that and, and so um, I'm excited to see these guys come back uh, to Buffalo a couple of them whom have been there already and ready to work and put in time to improve and get better how sure. critical do you think it is to pair Devin with another veteran running back like he had this past year like Frank yeah I mean Devin I thought had a really good first season and um, as we know in this league these these backs take a lot of a lot of pounding and so you need Two to three guys to help um, take some of the wear and tear off of the off of in this case Devin, or also share share the role in terms of different skill sets and what they can bring to the table. Devin certainly has a skill set that, as we saw in year one, uh, translates to the NFL at a high level. And now we're looking forward to seeing what he can do in year two. It's a critical offseason for him, and then uh, what we can add. We do have TJ in there as well and a couple other pieces that are in there. It's just a matter of what what we want to do and how we want to continue to build. We know how much you you like having that veteran presence leader in the room. Could TJ fill that role, or do you feel it it, it needs another guy that's more seasoned? Well, we've got a lot of confidence in TJ. You know, it was was a struggle last year a little bit, excuse me, just from a standpoint of him getting a jersey on game day. The games that he did and the games that he played, he contributed at a high level from a leadership standpoint. uh, When you look at that Tennessee game on the road, his run in there was really one of the runs that got us kind of sparked in terms of going on the drive to go win it. Um, and so what I love about TJ also is the way he just handled himself throughout the season uh, where he wasn't playing every week and the way he handled himself as a team player helping on scout team. And so I thought that spoke volumes about who he is. Depending on how the draft goes and maybe free agency, could that dictate where Cody Ford ends up along the offensive line a little bit? Yeah, Josh, yeah. I mean, Cody's position flexibility was very apparent in year one. Um, you know, there was a learning curve there as well, just adjusting to the NFL, but being able to play two positions uh, throughout preseason and then also in the season at times, I thought really spoke for who Cody is and his versatility. And now, you know, we'll see how things fall into place through this process with both free agency and the draft, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Are you leaning in any particular direction? I'm sorry, tackle or guard in your mind? How do you see Cody position-wise right as we speak? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't, I don't want to say he's going to be this position or that position because, again, of the flexibility. You know, we're going to put it together like uh, like we do every season. And um, the, the great part about it, whether it's Cody or John, uh, Ty, they've got some flexibility with not only playing right or left side, but also guard, tackle. Some guys are guard and center flex, like Jeremy uh, flexed last year, Jeremy Bates. And then um, when you look at Spencer, what he was able to do. So I think that's all good for us. Sean, I know you don't want to you know, pigeonhole yourself in, in saying Cody is you know, a guard or a tackle, um, but that's a pretty big domino in the sense of how you plan the offseason. So um, how, how does that impact your offseason planning, kind of de determining where he is best? I think, you know, we, we know we have a feel for where he is best, but at the same time, you know, he's, he has a history of playing both, really. So we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be smart strategically to do that right now, Jay, with where we are, where, where Cody is, and, and his development. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a smart uh, move for us as an organization right now to say, well, he's just this, because he's a lot more than that potential. Like Cody, Dion has played both. But at this stage of his career, do you view him strictly as a left tackle? Well, he's been there really for, for the better part of three years for us. So although he has played along the offensive line as well, to your point, I think Dion's in a pretty good spot right now. Had a nice season last year and thought really had his best season as, as a Buffalo Bill, as a pro. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing what he's doing this offseason and, and uh, waiting for him to build, you know, build upon that this year. How do you feel about the state of the offensive line in general after going back? Yeah, I was, I was encouraged by the progress and improvement from year two, my year two, to year three, what I saw this past season uh, with, with runway in front of us, though. And I think the best part about it, Matt, is those guys know that, and they'd be the first to tell you that. Um, I think Josh felt a difference. Our quarterbacks that did play in both of those years felt a difference. Um, just the overall, really, DNA of the room the toughness brought on by those players, by Bobby Johnson, our offensive line coaches, I thought, and then led also by Brian, I thought it was just a good step in the right direction. Does that mean we're there yet? No, um, but, we're, but we're definitely trending in the right direction. A few, receivers, a few receivers that we talked to this morning have talked about Josh Allen, watching the Houston game and what they took away from that. When you're having the conversations with some of these guys, what are they telling you about Josh and their impressions of him? Well, I think they, it's, it's pretty clear when you watch Josh on TV whether you know him personally or not what type of competitor he is and at the end of the day that's what whether you play defense or you play offense or you're a specialist that's what all these players want they want a good guy to 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 be a teammate alongside of and a, and a guy that when the when the ball is kicked off that is highly competitive and Josh has that that fire and and that's not and not every quarterback has that and so uh, that's why we thought early on in the process with Josh that he fit Buffalo so well because of that. Coaches, free agency approaches and the draft is right around the corner. How do you weigh, make the defense stronger, build up the offense, and how do those conversations go about with Brandon? Yeah, that's, you know, we've got really good dialogue, Maddie, with, uh, with Brandon and his staff, and not just myself and Brandon, but my staff and his staff collectively. And that's not, that's not always the case um, between the coaching staff and the personnel staff in this case. And um, the part I love is, um, you know, I think I think people think that you know just um, it's easy to build a, a team and everything, but but we gotta we gotta start with 
with our guys and making sure we get as many of our guys back from this past season and then build build from it. But, um, you know, I'm excited about, like I said, where we're going. I'm excited about how we're going to get there. And I think the expectation around our building is very clear for what we expect and the standard of performance that we expect from ourselves. Sean, when you look at this wide receiver class, there's a lot of guys, a lot of different skill sets. Ideally, given what you've already got, what are you looking for in this in this class if you take one of these kids? In a wide receiver? Well, let's start with a guy that can catch the football. Uh, I mean, I think people look past that sometimes, right? I mean, speed, people get enamored with speed and and uh, the things that, you know, stand out or will be talked about here in a couple days when, when these young men run the 40. Um, that's great. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to play the position. And one of the key elements for for playing the wide receiver position is being able to catch the football on a consistent basis. Um, that trust with the quarterback or that develops because of that and being able to catch the football, uh, that's important. And so I think I would just say overall play speed and, and also the ability to be a consistent weapon for us in the passing game. And the only way you're going to be a consistent weapon is if you're able to catch the football. Sean, you were a finalist for Coach of the Year this year. What, do, what does recognition like that mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a it's great recognition for our team more than anything. Um, it's great that guys on our football team can be recognized for for Pro Bowl, All Pro. Um, I just take that as a team award or a team recognition more than anything. But it's even Lorenzo. I mean, who was recognized for or up for for Man of the Year? I think those honors and that recognition for Buffalo and our city uh, mean a lot. And uh, taking myself out of it. I just, I'm extremely proud of those young men and, and not only what they've done, but how they've been able to do it. Does it still surprise you how big this thing has gotten for all your years in the league? When you look around, it's crazy. I mean, you used to come here and it was so just process and you, you get what you need to get done. And, and now it's, I mean, look, it's like a show, you know, and uh, I'll be glad once I'm done with this part with you guys. And now, uh, I, I do enjoy this part of it, but it, it, it will be nice in a couple of days to be able to sit down and, and actually watch the, the, the players compete, watch them work out, and, and see who may fit into what we're doing in Buffalo. All right, there's a portion of Sean McDermott's meeting with the media earlier today. You can hear it in full at WGR550.com and the Radio.com app. Going to take a timeout, though, now. Before we get out of here, I do want to touch on the one point or the one question that he was asked about running back, and he talks about T.J. Yeldon extensively. So get into the running back position a little bit before we get out of here. 803 is the number if you want to get in quick before we're out of here as well. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. You're listening to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase, live from the Dun Tire Studios. Dun Tire. It's a done deal. WGR Sports Radio 550. Oh, we've got a lot of confidence in TJ. You know, it was, it was a struggle last year a little bit just from a standpoint of him getting a jersey on game day. The games that he did and the games that he played, he contributed at a high level. From a leadership standpoint, uh, when you look at that Tennessee game on the road, his run in there was really one of the runs that got us kind of sparked in terms of going on the drive to go win it. So what I love about TJ also is the way he just handled himself throughout the season where he wasn't playing every week and the way he handled himself as a team player helping on scout team. And so I thought that spoke volumes about who he is. Sean McDermott on TJ Yeldon. That question, if you heard it just a second ago when we played it in full, 
He's asked about adding a veteran running back. And essentially, McDermott's like, we already got a veteran running back. We've got TJ Yeldon. And that intrigues me and makes me optimistic that the Bills will go into the draft, rounds three through five, or maybe they go for a Matt Breida in free agency, a young running back that's cheap and is available, that that will be the guy that they end up supplementing Devin Singletary with. And they'll have a trio of Singletary, a rookie, or some free agent they get that hopefully is not getting this monster contract like Derrick Henry or Melvin Gordon or bringing, maybe David Johnson is a different idea because you would probably be getting a pick to take that salary. But a young, cheap free agent and TJ Eldon. Fine. Great. Look what you just did. You got Devin Singletary in round three. Go draft another running back in the third round. You might have two Devin Singletaries. Probably would want a different type of skill set. Singletary doesn't quite have that home run speed, so maybe you could get a guy with a little more burst. But that's a that's a plan right there for what you want to do at running back. And I think that uh, listening to McDermott there, finally, it's like enough with these veteran running backs. Enough. They don't need a Chris Ivory. They don't need even a LaShawn McCoy. They don't need a Mike Tolbert. Just enough with it. There's no no Booby Dixon. Please, no. Young, cheap, and expensive running backs. That's what the smart teams do. That's what the good teams do. The Chiefs did it. Patriots do it. 49ers do it. Follow their lead. That's what I would say to uh, the Bills on that one. All right, thanks everybody for listening to tonight's show. I will uh, be back with you on Friday for a uh, two-hour show before we get you to pregame for the Sabres and Golden or yeah, Sabres and Golden Knights. Maybe Robin Leonard in net for them. Um, Sabres in action, though, tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche. It's an 8 p.m. puck drop. Pre-game will start at 7. So in this time slot, Brian Koziel will take over right at 7 o'clock for the Paul William Belts pregame show tomorrow night. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I'll talk to you on Friday. NASCAR fans, stay tuned. Pit reporters, not pit reporters, sorry. NASCAR Live on the way next here on WGR. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.